Welcome to the Search for Truth podcast, where we take a look at the Word of God and its authentic application to our lives. I'm Pastor Young, and in our daily Bible studies, we will ask the question, what is truth? Where do I fit in the story? And what is God saying to the church? So grab a Bible and enjoy. Word up! Hey everybody, and welcome to Season 2 of the Search for Truth podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. Please get out your Bibles and let's start our lesson for the evening. In Season 2, my plan is to uh, mainly focus on one aspect that is so critical to the church right now. And that is the prophesied end-time outpouring that the Lord promises His people. I think that it's important for us to understand that, number one, just because we attend a church, just because we are a part of the body of Christ, just because of the sake of our identity, it seems as if sometimes we can persuade ourselves that it doesn't matter what we do, but we're going to be a part of whatever the end time revival is. No matter whether I pray or not, just because I'm a part of the church, I'll be a part of that revival. Whether I fast or not, whether I witness or not, whether I, you know, and, and, and we, uh, if we're not careful, we'll persuade ourselves that because of our identity, which is important, by the way, but because of our, our identity, our actions, our behaviors uh, don't really matter. Well, that's not the truth. Um, secondly, uh, there there is a difference between being near the outpouring versus being under the outpouring. There's a difference between what I'm saying is watching a rainstorm versus getting wet. And so uh, what I... What I am doing is I want to take apart uh, kind of the biblical concepts surrounding this term or or the idea of outpouring. Uh, And I I want to make sure that we find ourselves in the right posture, that we find ourselves in the right behavior, that we find ourselves in the right routines, uh, you know, that, that we are positioned where this outpouring is going to happen and uh, and so, anyways, so today uh, we're gonna we're gonna start. Uh, like I said, this is season two, and we're gonna start lesson one. And uh, I want to cover I want to cover uh, kind of the basic principle of outpouring, and then I want to cover one story that I feel like does not get enough airtime in Scripture. So first, we're gonna cover kind of one basic principle that I'm going to come back to over and over and over. If you want to call this maybe an anchor scripture, to borrow a, a term from some of my brethren that write curriculum, then you can call it that. But uh, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. But the main verse we're going to focus on is verse 5. Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. 
It says, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Verse 5, our focus verse. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. And this is where I want us to focus. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And then it says, why? Because there was not a man to till the ground. So this is, and I'm not going to belabor the point here because I want to get to the story, but this is the first foundational principle of outpouring. And that is, God does not waste His rain. Okay? The Lord does not waste an outpouring. All right? In the next few episodes, we're going to cover things like the former rain. What is it? The latter rain. What is it? Uh, we're going to cover things like, uh, you know, what, what happens during biblical times of drought? What happens during seasons of famine? Uh, what does God promise, you know, in Joel, the, the real breakdown of the Joel prophecy uh, pouring out upon all flesh? We're going to look at all of these different things. But tonight, I really want to take us to a story that, like I said, does not get enough attention in, the, in Scripture. And I think it's because we take this story as just a story rather than digging into it uh, to find God's principles in it. Okay, because um, I, 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 before, we, before we go here, I want, like I said, I'm building on this principle of God does not waste rain. Okay, God does not waste an outpouring. And so uh, this principle in Genesis 2 and 5 teaches us that you cannot operate just any way you want to and have an outpouring. The Bible says it is a biblical principle established in Scripture that the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth. Why? Because it would have been a waste. There was no man to till the ground. And so the Lord looks at your tilling. He looks at, what is that? It is your cultivation. He looks at your, to make it simpler, He looks at your effort. Okay? And He rewards effort accordingly. If you want a little more support, uh, I could take you to the place in the New Testament where it says, if you, uh, if you sow sparingly, you shall reap sparingly. And if you sow in abundance, you will likewise reap in abundance. Now, hold on. I know what, you're, what you might be thinking. Yeah, but that's not having much to do with outpouring. That has more to do with seeds. Oh, no. Don't forget another place in the epistles where it says one man sows, another man waters, but it is the Lord that gives the increase. Paul said that, right? Now, why would he say something like that? It's because you've got to understand that God has his place in your sowing. Okay? The sowing of seed is far, it, it, there's more to it than just I'm, I'm marking an item off of my list as a good Christian. Sowing your seed is, is you loving, loving your neighbor as yourself. It, you're, the gospel is incomplete if you only love the Lord with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, all of your strength, because that the greatest commandment is twofold. You cannot, you cannot call your Christianity complete if it is only devotion and no uh, commission. You see? 
And so, and I've been teaching on this for a long time. Uh, the the Pharisees were guilty of this. You know that they had they had devotion just down pat. They had devotion mastered, but they had no commission. And Jesus knew this, and he did not want the disciples to become another generation of just Christian Pharisees, right? Pharisees, but Pharisees that believed in in Christ. What he so what he did to separate them from the Pharisees was he taught all of these things that the Pharisees would not teach. Uh, the, the, the idea of self-sacrifice, the idea of, of commission, the idea of going and preaching to the lost rather than just stoning the lost, you see? And so, and so what, uh, what, um, what I'm saying is that the seeds going forth has more to do with you, with you doing your part and then God gets to do His part by sending the rain rather than just, I'm going to do this because I, I don't really know why. I'm just going to do this, you know, because God said to so, so I guess I'll say. The Lord is looking for a man to till the ground. The Lord is looking for a man or woman to put effort into the work uh, that He set before them and when he sees you tilling the ground, biblically, I feel, I feel that, that by the end of this season, I will prove that the Lord promises us that he will reward your efforts with rain. Okay? So, building on this, let's go to our story in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Like I said, this is a story that does not get enough attention. And I think it's just because we, we look at it as just a story. There is biblical truth in here, and hopefully we'll, we'll begin to prove some things starting tonight. First uh, Chronicles chapter 11, and let's start just in verse 1. It says, Then all Israel gathered themselves to David unto Hebron, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. And moreover, in time past, even when Saul was king, you were he that leddest out and broughtest in Israel. And the Lord thy God said unto thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be ruler over my people Israel. Therefore came all the elders of Israel to the king to Hebron. And David made a covenant with them in Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. And so I could stop here. I'm, I'm tempted to let it just suffice to say, there is an anointing of God, okay? There is an anointing of the man of God. And then what we see in this passage is there is actually an anointing of the people. But that's another, that's another lesson. Verse 4, And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, which is Jabus, where the Jebusites were, the inhabitants of the land. And the inhabitants of Jabus said to David, Thou shalt not come hither, Nevertheless, David took the castle of Zion, which is in the city of David. And David said, Whosoever smiteth the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. So Joab, the son of Zeruiah, went first up and was chief. And David dwelt in the castle. Therefore, they called it the city of David. And he built the city round about, even from Milo round about. And Joab repaired the rest of the city. So David waxed greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. Now we're about to get to the good stuff. Verse 10. These also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And this is the number of the mighty men 
whom David had. I want you to think, as I continue to read, I want you to remember that every word that is in Scripture is there on purpose. Every story that is recorded in Scripture is there on purpose. And the Lord has commissioned these these literally chroniclers, <laughs> those that, that document the history, he, he causes which stories make it into the Scripture and which do not. You've got to know that David had more battles than what was recorded in Scripture, that David did more things than what was recorded in Scripture. But God specifically allowed these stories to be documented. And for what purpose? Is it just so that we can be entertained? No. It is so that we can see another glimpse of God, another glimpse of our relationship to Him, another glimpse of His faithfulness to us. We get these snapshots through these little stories, if you will allow it to speak to you more than just a story. So, what are we looking at? As David is the king, so many other times I have taught this, that you can, David gives a very good snapshot of what Messiah will be for us, of what Christ will be for us, okay? And then likewise, we have the mighty men of valor, right? We have David's mighty men who surrounded him, who had all of these wonderful feats of strength and, and who won all of these battles with David. Remember who they were. These were not the choice men of Israel. The choice men of Israel ran with Saul. The, 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 the first round draft picks all went to Saul. But what David received in his mighty men was a ragtag group of misfits. The Bible says that when, and I covered this in, in season one, although it was briefly, uh, that David, whenever he found himself hiding from Saul in the cave of Adullam, right, that the Lord gathered to David all of these misfits all of the people that were kicked out of their families and kicked out of their cities. Uh, David literally had almost like an army of, of broken people, an army of, of misfit toys, you know, an army of, of, of soldiers that no one else was interested in. But David said, I'll take you in. If you'll be loyal to me, I'll make you mighty. And that's exactly what happened. Um, if you're looking for an extra Bible study, uh, I would link that to Genesis. Oh, man, we don't have time for this. Yes, we do. It's a podcast. What are you going to do? You're just driving. Genesis chapter... Uh, oh, okay. Genesis chapter 30 and, um, and, and start in verse... Um, verse... 31 concerning Jacob and his wages as he's laboring for Laban and look at look at the 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 section of the flock that becomes Jacob's pay Jacob's wage okay and link that to David and his mighty men and basically the 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 gist of it all is that God can do more with less than what you could do with more okay but now verses 10 through 14, tell about, I'm back in 1 Chronicles 11 now. Sorry if you're having a hard time keeping up with me. Um, 
back in 1 Chronicles 11, 10 through 14, just documents a, a very quick snapshot about these mighty men. But in verse 15, we get our story. It says, Now three of the thirty captains went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam, and the host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in the hold, and the Philistines' garrison was then at Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. Now, I know you know the story. But like I said, it doesn't get enough airtime because we just think of it as just some story where David's kind of a jerk, right? All the people, the, the, the mighty men, they hear David as he, as he is lamenting, as he's longing for a taste of the water that he grew up on. I, I, David is, is just, David is not actually making a full request here. David does not order his men I want you to go. I want you to fight as many Philistines as you can. And I don't care if you die along the way. I demand a drink of mama's Kool-Aid that I grew up on. No, sir. David does not make a demand here. But these, these mighty men, they love David. And they know that, that they have these abilities. They know that they are capable of bringing the king what he desires. David has not given them specific instructions, but rather it is the desire of the king to drink of the waters of Bethlehem. The only problem is there's all these Philistines that stand in the way. Verse 18, And the three break through the host of the Philistines, and they drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and they took it and brought it to David. Now, that's pretty brave. That's pretty awesome. This is like a special ops mission. You know, this is SEAL Team 6. And they break through the, the armies of the Philistines who are mighty and well-equipped and have every, there's, there's, there's every reason why these three should have died and why the water should have never made it back to David. And this should have been a story that we never even heard. Three dummies trying to you know, trying to get favor from the king, broke through, hoping to get to the well of Bethlehem, but they got killed along the way. So, you know, sorry. But for some reason, God allows these three to survive and not only survive, but to become successful in their mission. And they do bring back a drink of water from Bethlehem's well. But it says, but David would not drink of it and he poured it out to the Lord. Imagine with me this scene as these men make it back to David. They're wiping the blood of the enemy off the blade. They're, they're wiping the sweat from their brow. They are, they are exhausted. Their chests are heaving they're, they're, they're breathing hard and panting. I can't believe we made it back. The king is going to be so happy. The king is going to be so pleased with us. And they hand him this vessel of water. Here, king, I know you didn't demand that we do this, but we love you so much that we put our lives at risk. And we love you so much that we have granted a request 
and David takes what they hand him and says, this is for my fallen homies, and pours it on the ground. He doesn't really say that. But can you imagine the look on the face of these servants, of these men? Don't you realize what I just went through? Don't you realize the labor that I put into this? Don't you realize the effort that I have invested in this? You see, and, and David, David says something in, in verse 19, take it or leave it, whatever. He says, and said, my God forbid it me that I should do this thing. Shall I drink the blood of these men that have put their lives in jeopardy? For with the jeopardy of their lives they brought it. Therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mightiest. And then it just moves on. It starts telling other stories. Now, uh, there's a lot of folks that have taken that story and they've just said, well, here's an example of David being a jerk. These guys did all of this and he wouldn't even drink it. They, they focus on the fact that David didn't drink. Let me perhaps, and who knows, maybe I've already given it away by the way I set this up, but let me, let me perhaps adjust your perspective on the story. David, the king, again, is sitting in the place of Messiah, sitting in the place. And by the way, I'm not saying David is the Messiah. That should go without saying by now. Messiah just means the anointed one. He is the anointed one. He's literally anointed king. But David is sitting there in the place of Messiah, the place of the anointed one, the place that one day Jesus is going to sit as the son of David, king of the Jews, king over us all. And these mighty men have, have risked their lives. They've put such great effort in this. And, and don't let it surprise you if someone who does not understand the story calls their efforts wasted. That should never surprise you. Look at how Judas uh, views the woman that anoints Jesus' feet and breaks that alabaster box of spikenard ointment and washes his feet and wipes his feet with her hair and anoints him and weeps over him. Judas, who was standing outside the story, looked at her and called her worship waste. Don't ever, don't ever let it surprise you whenever people that are standing outside of your testimony look at your sacrifices, look at your efforts, look at the sweat that you put into it, look at the cultivation, look at, you know, look at all that you're sowing. And because they're outside of your testimony, because they're outside of your story, they will look at it and say, well, because David didn't drink it, that water was put to waste. No, sir. Not at all. Not at all. What you need to see is that the king rewarded their efforts with an outpouring, literally. He turned that vessel upside down and he poured it out on the ground. Could it be, could it be that in the end time, the Lord is just waiting for a man to till the ground? Could it be that the Lord is just waiting on someone, another mighty man. Yeah, you, you might not have all the credentials. You're the outcast. You're the one that didn't fit in. You're the one that got kicked out. You're the one that your family, you know, you're the black sheep of the family. Guess what? You are the perfect candidate 
to be just like David's mighty men. The Lord does all of these things with misfits. Check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, look around. He said, notice how not, how not many mighty are called, not many uh, wise are called, not many noble are called. But the Lord chooses the weak things of the world to shame that which is strong, the foolish things of the world to bring to naught the wisdom. And then it says, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. You look around and you say, well, I can't be a mighty man. I can't be a mighty woman of God. Let me tell you, all it took, it did not take skill. It took effort. It did not take talent. It took a willingness to, to break through the Philistines, to break through the lines. It took, the, the Lord didn't say in Genesis 2, he did not uh, cause it to rain upon the earth because there was not a man that was good enough to receive the rain. It said because there wasn't a man to till the ground. The Lord, the king, is not going to waste anything. Whenever David pours out that water that those men fetched him, it was not a waste. It was not a waste. It was the response that the king had to their effort. The Lord, the king, will reward your effort, will reward, uh, will reward your work with an outpouring. I pray that this lesson has blessed you today and, or tonight or whenever it is you're listening to it. I pray that you'll find some truth in this. And do not grow weary in well-doing. If you know that you are doing what the Lord has called you to do, keep doing it. I don't care if other people say it's wasted. I don't care if other people point at it and say that this effort is not going to, is not going to pay off for you. Keep doing it. Keep laboring for the Lord. Keep doing it. And the King will reward you with an outpouring. I love you all. I pray that you're blessed in Jesus' name.